what's up everybody it's your host of hoagies huddle hunter here coming at you with episode five instead of getting right into my rant about t-shirt sponsors all the notes i have before getting into the sports things today i'm going to do things a little different and instead of all that today i wanted to send out a heartfelt happy birthday to my mother i truly couldn't ask for a better mother she is part of the reason I am doing this. She has supported me throughout this whole journey. I don't even know if she listens to this, to be quite honest with you guys, but I do want to send out a heartfelt happy birthday to my mother, Wendy Woodley. Thank you so much for all you do, and I love you tons. I am recording this on Thursday the 22nd. Her birthday is Friday the 23rd when this will be released. Again, thanks for checking in to this episode of Hoagie's Huddle. I appreciate you guys a ton. If you could please subscribe, rate, review, it would mean the absolute world to me. That helps me a ton, and I appreciate that a lot. Getting right into it with our Minnesota Golden Gophers. Just want to touch base on a few things with a couple different sports. We are going to be starting with our men's hockey team. Don Lucia did announce he will be stepping down from the head coach position after 19 seasons. I just wanted to give a little shout-out to Don. Thank you for your great 19 years. It just shows what a class act he really is, stepping down from the position when he knew it was the right time. I have not heard anything regarding a new head coach with the team. It is relatively early. I will keep my eyes and ears peeled for stuff on that. I also wanted to give a quick shout-out to the men's baseball team with the series win over number 9 TCU. Great work, boys. TCU is one of the more well-known Division I men's baseball programs, so that is a big series win for our baseball team. Another thing I wanted to mention quick before I move on from our Golden Gophers is Ethan Lezak, 125-pounder for the Gophers, ended up taking fourth at 125 pounds. Congrats to Ethan on a great season. Look forward to watching you again next year and the rest of the Minnesota Gopher wrestling team. And moving on to our Minnesota Wild segment of this episode of Hoagie's Huddle. Our Wild currently sit at 41-24-8. and eight. We are going into Saturday's game with that record. We play Nashville on Saturday night at home. Coach Boudreaux is going for win number 500 in his career. I wanted to touch base on the last week for our Wild and also a few news and notes I have regarding them. One thing I did want to mention is Eric Stahl. I got a chance to uh, just peek at his numbers again after this week. 71 points, 39 goals. What an incredible season Eric really is having numbers-wise. We haven't seen numbers like that in Minnesota for quite a while, and it is sure fun to watch. Going back to this week, I'm going to go back all the way to the Las Vegas game that I previewed last episode. The Wild came out with a 4-2 win over Las Vegas. Huge win. Jason Zucker scoring in his return to his hometown. He is the only player in the league from the state of Nevada. The Wild had lost two in a row and four out of the last seven going into this game, so this was a big win for them against a hot team. Stalock had 26 saves. He played really well. Eric Halla, former Minnesota Wild and Gopher, got his 28th goal for Las Vegas. Also got an assist that night. Eric has been playing some good hockey for them. Scoring for our Wild are four goals. Zucker, Dumba, uh, Coyle, and Parisi. Parisi's was an empty netter. And moving on to that Saturday, 317, a 3-1 win over 
the Coyotes. The Coyotes are playing some really good hockey right now. They are one of the hottest teams in the league. So this was a nice win for the Wild. Stahl had an empty netter that night. Nino scored. Felino scored. It was an overall good game for the Wild. Don't have too much for you guys on that game. And then moving on to the 19th, our loss to the Kings at home, 3-4 to in overtime. We played some good hockey that game. Erickson Eck had the goal late in the third to take the lead. It only took L.A. about a minute to return the favor on that and tie the game up. Ryan Carter got his second goal of the game in overtime. He has been playing some incredible hockey since returning from injury and look for him to make an impact in the playoffs. In that game, also scoring Zach Parise, Eric Stahl. A few other little news and notes and stats I saw regarding the Wild. Just some overall thoughts. With Spurgeon out with his hamstring injury till the playoffs, we really need Ryan Murphy to step it up big time. He's been playing a little bit better, especially against the Kings. He played solid, but overall, we need his level of play to step up immensely. He, I mean, it's hard to replace a first-line defenseman. It is interesting, the Wild ranks second in points in the entire NHL by defenseman by our blue liners. So that is nice to see the Wild defenseman playing well and scoring points. Hopefully our Minnesota Wild can continue to play good going into Saturday against Nashville and help Coach Boudreaux achieve win number 500. And moving on to the Wolf segment of this episode of Hoagie's Huddle. I wanted to touch base on our over 500 Timberwolves. They clinched a 500-plus season for the first time since 2004. Congrats to the Timberwolves on that. That is a great accomplishment for this young team. It was expected, but it is also nice to see them follow through and have a winning season for the first time since 2004. A few things I wanted to touch base about this team before I get into this past week. A few interesting stats and notes I took. Kind of out of order, but just interesting in general. The Timberwolves are last in the NBA in three-point attempts. The Wolves are 5-5 five and five without Jimmy Butler. Wiggins has gotten 20-plus in 9 out of the past 11 games, going 21 for 45 from three-point range in that span. The Wolves are 9-3 and three when Jeff Teague has 20-plus points. Two out of the 11 remaining games are against teams currently in the playoffs. Philadelphia and Utah are those two teams, and we are a half-game difference between them. Jimmy Butler's rehab is doing well, and he does plan to return for playoff time still. Derrick Rose's sprained ankle is not considered serious, and he is considered day-to-day. Those are just a few little notes I had regarding our 41 and 31 Minnesota Timberwolves. They currently sit 7th in the West. I'm going to touch base on their past week, some results, some of my thoughts from those results, and that'll wrap up our Wolves portion of this podcast. 317, we lost at San Antonio. 117 to 101. A few things I noticed from that game. Cat 23-9. Rose had a minus 21 rating. We took 12 threes the entire game. Attempted 12, not made 12. Took 12 the entire game, which is almost unheard of in modern day today's NBA. A few things. The second quarter really killed us. The Spurs shot 84% in the second quarter. 
LaMarcus Aldridge had 39 points and 10 rebounds on the game, but there was a five-minute stretch in the second quarter where he had 12 straight points and 18 out of 21 other points in five-minute stretch, which is pretty incredible. Overall, from that game, the one specifically on the Wolves really got going. It was tough for the team to find a groove and carry that momentum into anything offensively. Moving on to the 18th against the Rockets. Man, this game was tough for me to watch personally. The Wolves only lost 129 to 120, just a nine point difference. Derrick Rose had an incredible game 14 points, getting to the paint without issue and finishing. It was really fun to see a little bit of the old Derrick Rose. I did already mention his ankle injury in the Clippers game later that week, but it was unfortunate to see Derrick get banged up. It was fun to watch that game. He was playing some good basketball compared to the San Antonio game where he was playing absolutely horrific. The Rockets scored 38 points in the first, 39 in the second to have 77 first-half points. That was absolutely unacceptable. One thing I did want to note from this game, the Rockets in that first half, that 77-point first half, had 11 made threes. The Minnesota Timberwolves against San Antonio attempted 12 threes in the entire game. Houston made 11 in one half, whereas we attempted 12 in the entirety of a game. That just shows you how little of threes the Timberwolves truly do make. What is impressive to me is how the Timberwolves came back in this game without relying heavily on that three ball. It just shows you we can still score with anyone without relying heavily on the use of the three. Carl Anthony Towns had 20 and 18. Teague had a great game, 23-11-6. Jay Craw had 20. Derrick Rose, 14 points, like I said. Overall, tough game. The Rockets are a phenomenal basketball team. They are extremely tough to beat when fully healthy, and they were. It got a little chippy at points, but it was fun to see how competitive this game got. You got to envision, I keep saying this, and I've, I've, I've said this multiple times on this podcast, but... Just imagine that game with Jimmy Butler. I can imagine the the outcome is a bit different, and I do not foresee the Houston Rockets putting up 77 points in the first half with Jimmy on the floor. But he isn't, so we will have to wait until the playoffs to get back. But just know it is good to see that the Timberwolves can hang with the Houstons and the Golden States of the NBA. Last but not least, I wanted to talk about our 123-109 to win over the Clippers on the 20th. We did end up getting the season sweep from L.A. Carl Anthony Towns had 30-9. He did not get the double-double, but he does lead the NBA with 60 on the season, which is absolutely remarkable. Teague also had a double-double in that game with 20-12. and 12. Wiggins had 27 points, 3 blocks. Jamal Crawford with 20 points as well. The big thing that stood out to me this game was, I mentioned it for a reason, the three blocks from Wiggins. I am very hard on him and consistently have been, but I do want to give him praise where it is due. Man, Andrew looked awesome against LA. He High energy, hustling. There was a play in the third quarter, I'm sure you guys know what I'm speaking of, but he essentially harassed Austin Rivers from one end of the court to the other end. The crowd loved it. It really helped this team get some momentum going into the end of the third and the fourth, and it was awesome to see. I felt Andrew played with a lot of energy and hustle throughout the game against the LA Clippers, and I like to see that a lot. 
the three blocks showed that as well. Like I mentioned previously, the Wolves have two out of the 11 remaining games are against opponents that are currently in the playoffs, which are the Sixers and the Jazz. There's a half game difference between those. Like I said, we play the Knicks on Friday at Madison Square Garden and the Sixers Saturday in Philadelphia. This end of the season stretch here for the Timberwolves is vital. Coming out of this weekend with two wins would help their chances of making the playoffs tremendously. And next we will be touching base on our Minnesota Twins. Unfortunately, the news broke this week of Jorge Polanco receiving an 80-game suspension for the use of performance-enhancing drugs. An interesting note I had on this is it was the same steroid that Irvin Santana was caught for a few years back. It is the easiest to detect in drug tests. Curious how that ended up in Jorge's system. No need to know the details on that. Curious if he was aware of it or not. Either way, the loss of Jorge Polanco for 80 games will hurt this baseball team, especially defensively more so than offensively. Look for the Twins to play Eduardo Escobar at a consistent basis at shortstop. Offensively, he brings a lot more to the table than Jorge does. Not that Jorge doesn't have a great offensive game, but Eduardo is a plus offensive shortstop. Defensively, probably a negative, where Jorge is a probably a plus in both aspects of things. Look for Adrianza to be the only utility infielder the Twins carry this season and to fill Jorge Polanco's spot on that roster. I could see Zach Granite taking that. He has had a nice spring, making an incredible catch earlier today against the Yankees. The Twins roster has been determined by this point for the most part. They did release... Eric Ibar, Kenny Vargas was, Kenneth Vargas was claimed by the Reds. Um, it honestly has come down to, Phil Hughes is going to be a long-term reliever. It honestly has come down to Moya versus Kinley for that last spot in the bullpen. Moya and Kinley have both looked good, but I would give the nod to Moya right now, even though I predicted Kinley last week after this past week and what Moya has done. I do see him getting it, especially as he has seen more major league level bats rather than the minor league level bats this spring. It also was announced that Jake Odorizzi will start as our opening day pitcher this year. I look forward to seeing Jake go out there and pitch consistently. It will be fun to him for him to get that opening day nod. That's always a cool feeling and a big deal for these guys as pitchers. They will be sticking with the four-man rotation. I did mention Phil Hughes will be going to the bullpen as a long relief, kind of like a Dylan G role at the end of the season last year. That was vital to the twin success, having an arm like that in the bullpen. A few news and notes regarding the twins that I also had for you guys. It looks like late May for Trevor May. That is only when he is eligible to return. It does sound like he is ready to go right now. But the Twins put them on that 60-day DL, and he will not be able to return to late May. And I, I do believe they did that with intention because they do not want to rush his injury as he has had an injury-riddled past. The word on the street is Irvin Santana is doing very, very well and will be back much earlier than we figured. It looks like early to mid-May now rather than the June prognosis that I gave you guys previously on an earlier episode. 
that is great news for the Twins. We can get back to that five-man rotation. Right now, that rotation, just to remind you guys, is Odorizzi, Gibson, Berrios, Lynn, and then Irvin Santana will be joining in the month of May. I am curious to see with Jorge going out if we are in the market for a shortstop. I I doubt that highly, but with a few decent shortstops on the market last year, like the Jonathan VR of Milwaukee, it's just a name that comes to mind. I could see the the Twins offering or potentially doing something in that department, but Jorge will be back in 80 games, and I do think the Twins should be able to get by just fine without him. Tyler Duffy, Alan Boosnitz, both will be going to AAA Rochester. It will be interesting to see how they do there and the movement of pitchers from the AAA level to the MLB level throughout this season. I do feel like there will be a lot of roster moves. Hopefully not due to injury, but due to exceptional pitching at the AAA level. Our roster is essentially set. The roster I gave you guys position player-wise last time is exactly as is. The only difference would be that Zach Granite would make it instead of Jorge Polanco, and then they will figure out what to do when Jorge is back in 80 games. And moving on to Viking segment of Hoagie's Huddle, I wanted to start off with the Sheldon Richardson signing. Previewed it a little bit last week, told you guys that it was going to be happening, and it did. One year, $8 million base, up to 11 with incentives, 27 years old, 6'3", 295-pound, three technique. Man, I hope you guys are as excited as I am. This guy is the perfect, perfect fit for our defense. I couldn't say it anymore. This guy has missed two games in his five seasons as a professional football player. Due to injury, he has missed several. Due to suspension, he has had some off-the-field issues, but that has not happened in the past two and a half years. Sheldon is unique in what he brings to the table. He was a first-round pick the year we picked Sharif Floyd. Same age. He was the defensive rookie of the year that year in 2013. Last year, Sheldon had an 83.8 pro football focus rating in 2017. He will impact this team tremendously, like I said. And what this ultimately does to our defensive line is you have to envision they're all four players, if on any other team, would be double teamed. And so now it's going to free up two two out of the four of our D linemen consistently for one-on-ones. And we are going to get to the quarterback constantly, and we are going to wreak havoc. Every single one of those guys deserves a double team, but obviously they cannot do so. This, this defensive line is absolutely ridiculous. And even with Michael Bennett going to Philadelphia and all they have over there, I would still take this D-line. Over there's starting four-wise, at least, they are deep as heck over there in Philly. But starting four-wise, I would take our D-line over anyone's in the NFL. This group will be special this year and look for them to get to the quarterback often. Sheldon's big knack is he has got to the quarterback quite a bit but has not finished and look for that to change. He would have been making in the... 12 to 14 million dollar range base if his sack numbers were where his quarterback pressure numbers were we were really lucky to get him for this value and that is why we got him on a one-year deal sheldon will look to have a huge year with the vikings and capitalize off that financially 
Another thing I wanted to mention, I talked about the Kirk Cousins signing a lot last episode, and I'm going to completely stay away from it. This episode, besides this short tidbit, one thing I did not mention last episode is both the Vikings and Kirk have mentioned they see this as a lifetime deal. That is great news for both sides if this works out. I would love to see Kirk here for the next 10 years and not have to worry one iota about who our quarterback will be going into each season. Let's hope that works out well for the both sides. Earlier today, Thursday the 22nd, the Minnesota Vikings announced the signing of Rosemount native guard tackle Tom Compton. And he does plan to start at guard for the Minnesota Vikings. He was vocal about that after signing with us. Uh, It was kind of cool to see them bring back a hometown guy. Tom has played some quality football for the Redskins, the Bears, and the Falcons over his pro career and has a very close relationship with Kirk Cousins. And that played into the factor of him coming back to Minnesota as well is his connections to Rosemount and going to high school there. It'll be awesome to see Tom back in the Vikings uniform. He brings uh, tenacity to the line and to the offensive run game. That is much needed in the NFL. Tom's big claim to fame. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but Tom is in Sharknado 3, listed as reporter. He goes around and interviews people about the Sharknado event. It is absolutely hilarious. If you haven't seen clippings of it, go look at it. Tom is a massive, massive dude. Standing around 6'4", 6'5", with two full tattooed arm sleeves. It was kind of comedic to see him in a reporter role. That's just a side note. An interesting thing with that Tom Compton signing is I'm reading, maybe just reading into this too much myself, but does this mean Joe Berger is finally done? He was simply considering coming back to the Vikings. I know I mentioned this previously, but does them moving on and signing Tom Compton who states clearly that he plans to start at guard, meaning that Joe Berger is not returning to the Minnesota Vikings or to the NFL as a whole. Who knows? That's just me looking into it. I just wanted to put that out there. That is a possibility. But Tom is a great fit for this offensive line. Not a ton of experience starting, but has played in the NFL a lot. A couple other acquisitions the Minnesota Vikings made this week, some of the smaller ones. I just want you guys to know, When you see the Vikings are quiet, the remainder of free agency, do not worry. A lot of the money was allocated to Sheldon and Kirk. And they will allocate another six to seven million of the 22 left to signing our draft class. So look for re-signing a lot of internal guys and these small free agents as well. They will bring in a few. Don't get me wrong. Look for a lot of it to be focused on re-signing Tom Johnson or Shamar Stephan, Nick Easton, Terrence Newman, and a few of the other guys we do need to bring back. We did bring in a new long snapper today as well, Nick Dooley. Not going to touch base on that signing too much. We also did sign Josiah Price, the tight end. He was in camp last year. Look for him to be another camp body at tight end. He was solid in camp and provided a nice, reliable option for us in the preseason Quick update too, Easton and Eiflin's rehabs are going well. The Vikings did put a second-round tender on Nick Easton and look for them to retain his services. He was excellent in the run game and pulling specifically that outside zone blocking. Nick Easton excels at. He is one of the best guards in an outside run scheme in the NFL. Another interesting note regarding our offensive line, Jack Muhort of the Indianapolis Colts 
did visit here. He decided to remain in Indy. Just an interesting side note, he was visiting here when Kirk and Sheldon were visiting. Moving on from our offensive line specifically, a few notes that I wanted to mention about our Minnesota Vikings. It did become public today that week one on our schedule, we will be returning to the city of brotherly love, the wonderful, warming, lovely, lovely, lovely humans of Philadelphia that treated us oh so kindly last time we visited. We will be playing at Philadelphia week one and look for the Vikings to see that as a big revenge game. Carson Wentz should be back and healthy then, ideally for the Eagles, but it will be a great test right away at the beginning of the season to see where our Vikings stack up amongst the NFL. The Vikings and Eagles are the two favorites in the NFC going into the year, along with the Rams and Saints. I personally envision the Vikings going out and getting payback right away and putting a licking on the Eagles. Week 1, Zimmer uh, definitely has the NFC Championship game in the back of his head and will do everything he can to reverse the outcome of that. It will be interesting to see Coach Filippo return to Philadelphia in week one as well. And in the play calling he calls there, both teams are fairly familiar with each other, knowing that the offense will be ran by the former quarterback coach of Philadelphia. And I, I do see that as a great week one matchup. Look for that to be the Thursday night game as normally the reigning Super Bowl champs play that first Thursday of week one. A few other things I wanted to mention as well. Stacy Coley. I just wanted to talk to you guys about Stacy Coley of the University of Miami. He was on our team this past season. Everyone is extremely worried about the wide receiver three position after moving on from wide receiver Jarius Wright. We cut him earlier this week, and he ended up landing in Carolina. But I do have very, very high hopes for Stacy Coley this season, and I do think you guys will see why. He did have a nice preseason. Did show a few flashes here and there during the regular season, went up quite a bit he did get in the game but I do think Stacy can make an impact in special teams as well as that wide receiver three role he has some absolute burners he's got the jets he can burn just about anyone he does not have the ideal frame for an outside wide receiver in the NFL he is also not undersized by any means Look for Stacy to have a real nice season, and I do feel like the Vikings releasing Jarius Wright, not only for financial reasons, but I do feel like this shows how confident they truly are in Stacy. I wanted to touch base on where some of our Vikings have landed in free agency, former Vikings, that is. Whether you guys care or not, I just wanted to touch base. I am rooting for all these guys to do well just because of what they have given to us here in purple. But Teddy ended up in New York. Case in Denver. Emmanuel Lemur, backup linebacker for us, ended up in Oakland. He will remain a backup there as well. Cordell Patterson was traded from Oakland to New England, although he did have a team in between the Vikings. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Jarius Wright ended up in Carolina and Jet McKinnon in San Francisco. I did see Jeremiah Searles has had interest amongst the market. He has yet to sign a contract anywhere and left Carolina two days ago on a visit without an offer. Some potential fits I still see available in the free agent market with our Vikings at the wide receiver position. Jordan Matthews, he did get reported visiting Green Bay earlier today, Thursday, the 22nd. Schefter reported that. Eli Rogers, former Steeler, 
and Kendall Wright, former Titan and Bear, are all fits I see at the wide receiver position. For the Vikings, Terrell Pryor and Eric Decker, outside shots as well. It all depends on money for these guys, too. These are just guys I potentially see as fits for this roster. At the running back position, two guys that, that jumped out at me, Benny Cunningham and Charles Sims, both pass-catching third-down type backs to replace the production of Jet McKinnon here in Minnesota. At the tight end position, I could easily see them bringing in Brent Selleck with his pass with John D. Filippo, just a name I wanted to throw out there, and a few other positions, sorry, one other position, and a few other guys at that position that I wanted to mention as well is the cornerback position. I do think the Vikings will be aggressive in the corner market, and I do see a few guys that fit here. Slot corner Rob McClain, formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ross Cockrell, formerly of the Steelers and the Giants, and Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie, formerly of the Giants and many other teams, are all guys I could see as potential fits to this Minnesota Vikings roster. The Vikings are far from done in free agency, but I do not see them spending significant money on a singular player for the remainder of free agency. The last thing I wanted to touch base on for our Minnesota Vikings is I do feel like this 2018 draft will show a lot about our plans for the future and who we will be retaining out of our power for free agents going into 19. That does not mean we will not be retaining all four of them. I will be just I just will be curious to see in the draft what positions we will seek out. For example, if the Vikings decide to draft two to three linebackers with their eight picks in the 2018 draft I could likely see them letting go of one of Diggs or Barr etc you know where I'm going with this I could explain it to you but I'm pretty sure you guys get it either way this draft will show us who the Vikings are looking to keep going forward obviously we're looking to get deeper as a whole anywhere on the roster that is the one thing that is nice in the Vikings position going forward is that they are looking for the player with the best fit they do not simply have to to draft a singular position based off of need. They can draft the best player available at basically any point during this draft. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up the Vikings segment and this episode of Hoagie's Huddle. I'm going to do a better job to try to keep this brief and short, condensed down to about 30 minutes for you guys. Try to make it a little easier to listen to. I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. It means a lot to me more than you know. If you could please like, subscribe, review, etc. That helps me a ton. And again, guys, I just want to keep reiterating this. I am at Hoagies Huddle on Twitter, on Instagram. Please get at me. I would love to interact with you guys. I am most interactive on my Twitter page. It'd be awesome to interact. I did not get any questions for this week's episode and I will be posting and looking for some as well for next week. So please send in any questions you have towards me. My email will be available in the bio if you are not on Twitter, but if you are on Twitter, please get at me on there, and I would love to interact with you guys. I appreciate, again, you taking the time out of your day. It means a lot to me. There are plenty of options in this sports industry, and the fact that you would choose me means a whole lot. Thanks again, guys, and I hope you have a fabulous weekend.